time to go big or go home with the division manager of primary residential mortgage in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Now, here's the entrepreneur and mortgage extraordinaire himself, James Harper. What would your mama say? Go big or go home. Uh, hello, everyone. This is James Harper from Go Big or Go Home, and we're here today to change your life. I have a very, very special guest with us. This is our very first international podcast so that is uh, super exciting i hope you love what you're about to hear today uh, i've already been on a couple of calls with our guest today and she has a true 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 story to tell and i'm not so sure if this is going to be a one part or a two-part series uh, we'll certainly see how this goes but man we have a lot to talk about we're coming as always, from our secret headquarters in Hendersonville, Tennessee. It's a kind of a gloomy day, but we have lots of sunshine on what our special guest is about to share with us. Her name is Krista Anderson, coming to us from France. Um, not sure which city in France, but we're just going to say France for right now. Uh, that's, that's over the pond. That's international, and we're definitely happy to have you on the show. Welcome to Go Big or Go Home. Thank you so much, James. It's an honor to be part of your show. Awesome. Great. So we want to dive right in. We want to get right to the nuts and bolts, uh, but we need a little background of who Krista is and where she came from, what kind of makes Krista uh, tick, what, what her inspirations are, what her passions are all about. Uh, she grew up in Wisconsin, a small town of 2,000 people, what I, which I always find is uh, interesting because sometimes some of the best entrepreneurs or some of the, the very uh, big vision thinkers come from a small town feel. I always think that's pretty interesting. Uh, but she grew up in Wisconsin, uh, lived there her whole life until she decided to move to Tampa um, and had a journey in Tampa. We're not sure what took her there. She'll kind of talk about that. Then later moved to Nashville where she founded her company called Estar, uh, which is an international organic food, beverage, and distribution company that is not only in the U.S., but also now in France, has been in business for over seven years with this company. And uh, basically, this company was founded off of a real passion of Krista's to basically have a happier, healthy life and create this movement uh, for others to be able to achieve that same feeling. Um, she battled with stage two cancer in 2007, stage four cancer in 2009, and was basically given three months to live. And I'm sure uh, through that whole journey, we'll talk about what, how the idea came about to start Estar and, um, and in that journey that, we, that she's basically had from that point starting out the company, how she was able to get off the bench, get this idea into motion, and uh, the risk that she took all along the way to do that, uh, I think is just phenomenal. It's a true testament to everyone out there listening today that there really is, um, you, you really can do whatever your mind will envision that you can do. You've got to plant that seed in your own head and believe in that idea, because if you believe in that, that idea, it will manifest itself some way or some uh, form. And we're gonna share with you Krista's story because that has certainly happened uh, in, in your journey. Um, she further authored her own book called Claim Your Own Healing, or Claim Your Healing, which is a step-by-step -step guide on how she restored her own body uh, back to health. So if the, any listeners out there would like to read her book after you listen to this podcast, I'm sure it is available and easy to uh, acquire and get to, and she'll share that towards the end of our podcast. And uh, man, welcome to the show, and so happy to have you here. Is there anything that I possibly left out in, in that little brief biography of yourself? No, I mean, my first job was milking cows. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. No, I'm kidding. 
Truly, James, I'm super happy about what you're doing, but more importantly about the heartbeat that you have to just serve and help people make the shift in their life and take that leap. So thank you. It's an honor to be part of your show. Well, thank you. Uh, awesome. So um, let's talk about your childhood a little bit, because I think a lot of, of, of big vision and entrepreneurship and, and drive motivation, I think it starts obviously early on in childhood. So tell me a little bit about uh, when you were younger and, and some of the things you did either to, to, to make money, to be in sales, to, to uh, do something different than everybody else was doing. Yeah, I always say entrepreneurship runs in my blood. You know, my father's an entrepreneur, my brother as well. And when I was young, I think in the fourth grade, I made these string and yarn bracelets and necklaces. And I made my own little price list on a sheet of paper and took them to school and sold them to all my little friends at school to make some money. And it was a hit. And then uh, when the computer first came out, I hope not to date myself here, <laughs> but uh, I've got a story I, on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> when I got my first computer, I would go to um, garage sales with my mother and my grandmother and I would buy designer clothing and resell it on eBay when eBay first started. And oh, so wow. I was always looking for a way to hustle. That's for sure. Well, that, uh, so it's interesting. You said about bracelets because my daughter just the other day, she uh, came to me and said she just sold uh, to one of my employees, three of these rubber band bracelets for like $20. I'm like, Oh my God, they're, I've, I've, she's already started and she's 10. So uh, I need to maybe <laughs> keep going with that passion. Um, so, so as you started to uh, do these things through your younger childhood. Um, when you, when you got into high school and you started trying to figure out what your career path looked like, it's, I think it's very, very tough for kids, especially today when there are so much social media and there's so many, these visions of grandeur out there. How, how were you able to, and maybe you didn't know, because I certainly didn't know when I was in high school, what I wanted to be. Uh, what were some of the things that you thought about? Yeah, so I actually, I look at it now as a blessing, but I had a huge blessing of a push. Um, my dad was in prison most of my life. Mm. And I really, in the depths of me, wanted to prove you know, to people around me that I would be different and not follow in my father's footsteps. So I had that kind of internal fire to really make something of myself. But um, I wanted to go into fashion. I really loved the fashion industry and, and design. And I ended up going to college for that later. And that was always kind of my focus at, at that time in my life. And so you, you felt like when you picked that path that that was going, did you feel like that was going to fulfill you? Or did you feel like that was um, just something that was going to help you go in a a direction for now it was my passion truthfully and you know to have the ability to lead the way in what people wore as an expression of their self it, it was you know a deeper passion than just you know the fun part about clothing that you can see it as but I interviewed somebody when I had arrived in Tampa when I had just graduated from college with my fashion degree when I got to Tampa, I had interviewed a, this boutique owner and they were a buyer of, you know, high-end fashion. And after interviewing them, I realized I didn't want to go into the industry and do what they were doing because they really had no life and they kind of burned out very quickly. Mm, mm. And, and what time frame was that in your life? I think I was 19 years old. I graduated early from high school and then I went to college when I was, you know, pretty young, 17. And then mm -hmm. I, yeah. Um, graduated. And so, uh, you, you start going down this career path and, um, you were working for a marketing company or for working in the marketing department of a very large, uh, company. Um, and what, what happened to you? What happened to you with your, with your health? 
And how did you discover yeah, that? I, yeah, a close friend of mine had been diagnosed with leukemia and it was kind of a shock to me because he was so young. He was 21. And I started to think, you know, what if something was wrong with me and I didn't know about it? And oh, so wow. I got online and started looking at different symptoms of leukemia. And lo and behold, I found a, a hardness under my rib cage, my right rib cage. I saw that as a symptom for leukemia and online. And when I touched the base of my rib cage, it was really hard. And I ended up going straight to the doctor and they found a tumor the size of a football on my right kidney. Oh, wow. And what year was that? That must have been 2006, I think. 2006. Yeah. And um, so were you feeling bad or was this just some kind of a premonition or uh, how yeah. do you just think, oh, I want to start researching this disease <laughs> because one of my, you know, close friends, uh, you know, just been diagnosed with it. Yeah, gosh, honestly, I, my own personal belief, it was, it was God leading me, mm. you know, to a position to find it early. You know, uh, I had no premonition. I had no symptoms. It was just curiosity. Wow. Wow. That, I, that's interesting. I, I've never heard, uh, th that kind of, uh, story, <laughs> but thank, thank, thank the Lord. Thank God that that was discovered. And so mm -hmm. you went through, uh, obviously, uh, the necessary medical treatment to, uh, to cure yourself basically, uh, with stage two. Um, and then how much time passes before all of a sudden you discover that you, that something's either reoccurring or that you, you might need to, to be rechecked out again. Yeah, I had my right kidney removed, went on with life. Um, two years later after that, in 2007, I found out I had a tumor up against my heart and it was growing so quickly it collapsed my right lung. And that was a, a long journey of about a year of chemotherapy and another surgery, which then I had most of my right lung removed. So today I live a successful life with just one kidney and one lung. And I do a lot of sports and that's awesome. very grateful. But during that time of my set, yes, it's, I have a whole testament to that of my ability to uh, ride, I guess, hardcore cycling. <laughs> my lung has almost expanded as if it's two lungs now. So it's incredible. But um, you know, the doctors gave me three months to live at one point, and that was a huge pivotal point in my life and the change of direction of living a healthy life and eating healthy. And when they gave you three months to live, were you still in the hospital or had they, had they sent, had they sent you home at that point? I had just, um, I did three months of holistic treatments with the holistic doctor. Mm. And for me, that taught me and educated me a lot on healthy living, but it didn't cure me personally. Uh, so I did end up going to see a doctor for another opinion. And he said, you've got maybe three months to live if you don't do something immediately. And so that's when I went to the cancer center, met with them and I didn't go home that day. They put me right on chemo the same day. And within 24 hours, I was in a chemo coma, um, you know, just kind of blacked out as it started pumping into my body and whole process as a woman losing your hair and all of the things that come with that. The vainness of it. Happened yeah. quickly. Yeah. And yeah. so, so was this, so what did, were you trying, were you this journey of trying to say, okay, I might have three months to live or I choose to live or, how do you get that confidence in yourself that not obviously, obviously your faith, but how do you get this confidence in your own mind to not think in a negative fashion? I know it's not easy for sure. Yeah. I, I talk about this in my book. There's a section called seven steps to claim your healing. And 
one of them is the power of the mind and aligning my mind with, you know, for me, it was what God's word says about healing and that we are to be healed and live a healthy life and a long life. And I believed those things. One of the other steps that I talk about is surrounding myself with people that believed with me. And my dad was somebody that I didn't tell until a couple years later because I had to protect myself. Now, granted, he lived in another state, but the power, there's a lot of power in the mind and a lot of power and belief, just as you said in the beginning of the podcast about, you know, believing in our dreams and, and moving forward in our, our entrepreneurial journeys. But it's the same with health and recovery of a terminal disease is believing in, that you will be healed. And I heard what the doctor said, but I didn't accept it. Oh, and I, I love that. Just kept kept moving forward and I had a picture of myself in my home of when I was healthy to remind myself that someday I will be there I don't know when but it's a matter of time and I will be there well that's great oh man that's awesome and so when did you feel this shift happening did you did you was there a shift that you started feeling obviously better uh, but emotionally and mentally, did you feel this shift? Like, man, this is really, my mind is really taking over this disease. And obviously I'm, I'm fueling my body. Um, I'm, you know, feeding it healthy food and, and vitamins and herbs or whatever that might be. But where did you feel, did you feel like there was a shift at some point? You know, I have to be honest. I never um, felt a shift. And the one thing that I share a lot with people that are going through health challenges is you can't mess it up. Honestly, you, if you can, if you trust God and you feel like he's leading you on the right path and you follow that path, you know, you just, you just wait and let time present itself. But for me, I, I struggled really hard. There was a lot of time of doubt and it wasn't, you know, my lack of faith, that destroyed it for me. I, I didn't do everything perfectly through the process. And, you know, I like to say to people as encouragement sometimes is just one day you wake up and it's over. You don't know when that time will be. And if it's, it's so painful, you know, and that's divorce, that's, you know, any tragedy we go through in life, but one day you wake up and, you know, you're on the other side. And if you just hold on, just hold on. Mm. Well, that, that's very good. That, man, that's encouraging words for sure. Um, so when you, uh, um, so we, we, we go through, we're going through this discussion because it taught you a lot once you went to the other side and you, you, you found your health again and you were able to be in this body, mind, and spirit to start thinking about life again, really, because when you're, when you're inside the picture frame, it's hard to know what's on the outside. Right. And so mm -hmm. you were inside this picture frame and you never knew if you were going to be able to get out of that picture frame. But once you did, um, what kind of aha moments started going on with yourself to say, okay, now, now it's time that I share my story or I share my, uh, what I believe in, or I share what I want to my experience so that others can, uh, live a happier, healthier life. I honestly never thought I was going to share my story or develop a company, you know, later. I never had imagined that my heart was for people suffering. I now understood suffering very deeply and that opened up a piece of me that wasn't there before I took a job, um, you know, with one of the largest food companies in the world and just to survive financially, you know, there was a point on my journey. I was standing in line with homeless people to get food. I hadn't, I mean, I'd lost my job. I'd lost every, you know, I had nothing and I was just trying to survive. So when I took that job, you know, it was my first step into the food industry, learning the big, corporate world of the food industry. And I knew that I wanted to do something that my life was saved for something greater and a greater purpose, but I wasn't sure what. Mm. How did, how did you, uh, 
How did you get that job, by the way? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You, you hadn't been working, right? You, you, had, you probably didn't even have the experience, like you said. How did you sell yourself even to get that job? You know what? It's funny you say this because I'm just now realizing this, uh, this moment. But when I went in for that job interview, I had no hair. I mean, can mm. you imagine? Like <laughs> my, I, I mean, I literally, I was still on chemotherapy. I was doing post-operative chemo. I think I was three months out of surgery and I, I had to get a job, you know, I had no choice. And so the guy that interviewed me and he's still a friend today, he's the vice president uh, of this company and he was from Wisconsin and he just took an immediate liking and had an immediate connection with me and that got me the job. And it's amazing to think about it now. (laughs) It is. Uh, Well, connections, a key word. It's a big word. And we talk about connections all the time on our podcast Um, and, and connections. It's, there's so many things that can happen when you have a connection with someone Um, and it's so powerful Um, and you don't know what that connection might lead into today. Uh, But certainly as time goes on, look at the connection that just having that job that you thought was transitional, how it helped you probably get to where you are today. Um, because, you know, number one, it was, it's kind of in the food industry. So you learned a little bit about the industry as you were going through this, this job, but this job had a, a very symbolic thing for you, I believe. I mean, I think it was really, saying, Hey, this is, here's your time to start over and not sure where it's going to lead you, but this guy had a connection with you to know that it's, it's time for you to start your life again. That's, I think that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And so you, you did this for a few years. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. You did this for a few years and all of a sudden now you've come to a crossroads where you have take you you've gotten past the experience that you're of the job that you're currently in and you realized what uh that i was uh, promoting products that were not healthy <laughs> for people to consume <laughs> and i i realized i can't continue to do that and you know i i had gotten out of debt and was in a good place financially at this point after three and a half years of working there I had uh, went on vacation, visited Franklin, Tennessee, not too far from you, and mm. I fell in love with the little town of Franklin and all of its people that live there were just so kind, and I thought, you know, I need a new fresh start, new beginning, a new place, why not here? And I had some friends living there, so I picked up and quit my job and took my first real leap of faith uh, with no plan, no place to live, and no job prospect and just went. Yeah. So a little bit of uh, a background that she, uh, that Krista shared with me is uh, that she sold everything she owned and started from scratch, like she mentioned. And she was living in a small garage apartment in Franklin, Tennessee, basically. And she went through this journey uh, or she went through this pivotal step because she knew she wanted something more out of her life. And so we've talked about this many times. She took the golden handcuffs off of her career, uh, her career job. And and she also did a very, uh, another big key thing. And that is she just jumped. She jumped at an opportunity to do something different. She didn't know what door was going to open from it, but, that's what we're about to talk about. So you, you basically moved to Franklin, Tennessee, um, and you started researching and trying to figure out ways to uh, bring healthy products uh, to a convenience store atmosphere because you, I think your testimony is you went into a convenience store and you never could find anything healthy to eat. Is that, is that correct? That's right. Left empty handed every single time. 
<laughs> so you can just walk around in circles. You come out with this idea. Uh, I, there's no food that's in there that's healthy for me to eat. There's got to be something better. And there in lies your uh, idea, mm-hmm. your idea. So Krista basically from there uh, started to figure out and research organic food companies. And um, But before you did that, you had to have some belief. You had to have someone believe in you. What happened there? Yeah, I uh, had come across this guy who was the operations, uh, the head of operations for a convenience store gas station chain there in Shelbyville, Tennessee. And I had shared my yeah, story. With- different ways. You can say Shelbyville <laughs> or you can say Shelbyville. Or I know. I'm like, is it Louisville or Louisville? You know, it's like, right. where do you say it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so anyway, I had shared my story with him overcoming cancer and I was really passionate about we've got to put healthy food in gas stations. Like we've got to make healthy food accessible for people to fight disease, to live and maintain a, a healthy life. And so he was he was caught. Now this is the key. He was caught by my passion. Mm. He I he fed off of my passion in in that concept and he said, "You go build this concept. I'll wait until you're ready and you bring it back to me and we will give you six stores to test this in. And so that's what I did. And it took me six months to build the concept. And I went back to him. He gave me my first six stores and and we tested this healthy snack rack program in their stores. And so how did you even get to him? How did you even find this individual that you felt like you needed to drive to Shelbyville uh, and uh, meet? Um, There's a really big gas station in Brentwood, Tennessee, and I had stopped in there one day and I spoke to the manager and she told me where their corporate office Uh, was to talk to. So it was all by chance, all by chance that you just started uh, researching and seeking out uh, you know, opportunity, uh, or, you know, how to get to, you know, this idea initiated. Mm-hmm. Well, what I really see Krista is that what happened on that day, what happened on that day for you, uh, and we've talked about this on our show too, is you activated that day, your prey drive and, a prey drive and coach Michael Burt, uh, he talks about that in some of his books where if you're a lion, uh, in, in the safari or in the African safari or wherever that might be, lions always instinctually have this prey drive. And, um, we all have it as human beings within ourselves, And we never know when that, when we're going to activate that prey drive. And when we activate that prey drive, all kinds of things can happen in a positive way. Um, that day, your your prey drive was activated for the simple fact that um, someone had confidence in your idea, and that's all you needed to activate it. And it was activated from there. Um, that is a really, really um, monumental step in the start of your company, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you activated this prey drive and you then did what you started, uh, doing some more research, maybe looking at some manufacturers and that from what you told me led you to, uh, Baltimore to the organic food show where you had to say, Hey, all right, I've got this idea, but now how am I going to make it? How am I going to package it? I've got some knowledge how to market it, but I still need some help there. How do I get this thing from the cradle to grave with my idea, the from infancy to maturity so that I can get this on the shelves? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I had no business, real business experience other than my childhood. (laughs) Um, And I had really no idea what I was doing. Even to register my company, I Googled how to do that. So I found this organic food show in Baltimore, as you're talking about, by Google. So Mm. everything I did was my own research online. 
And I went there, I met with organic snack food manufacturers, shared my concept. It was never anything that has ever, ever been done. It was a new concept to them. And they were excited. They said, yes, you know, everybody agreed. We need to have healthier food into gas stations. And so I collected this, you know, portfolio of brands that I really thought tasted good. They, their ingredients were checked out to be very healthy and their process of manufacturing was really good. And so, um, while at that show though, I met with this vice president of one of the largest food brokerage companies in the U S and I pulled him aside to ask him some questions. And he said, our company tried that. We tried putting healthy food in gas stations and it doesn't work. And he said, I wouldn't waste your time on that. And I felt so defeated when I got back to Nashville. I spent two days just sitting in, honestly, in disbelief, tears, in disbelief, tears in some moments, like this passion. It was like, but the passion overweighed this disbelief of this man. And I thought, why did they fail? They must have not marketed it correctly. And so I said to myself, I'm going to go for it. And that's when I looked at my finances and realized, okay, there's not a lot of money in my bank account. So I sold everything I owned and that's when I sold everything again. You sold no, everything. That, this is the first time. No, this, this was is the first time. time. Yeah. Yeah. This is the moment of, okay, if I'm going to do this, I really got to do it and be all in on it. So, so if you sold everything, how, how were you able to live? Well, um, honestly, I know this is so typical entrepreneurial blueprint story, but I ate literally rice beans mixed with canned tomatoes. <laughs> like all the time. I, I honestly, um, I ate very simply. I didn't spend a lot of money. And I remember one moment of walking into a Kroger and I was in tears because I did not have money to buy toilet paper. Now this is a true story. And I saw this woman walk by me with a Louis Vuitton handbag. And I looked at her and I just started crying even more. And I was like, her handbag, $1,500, $2,000 handbag would change my life right now. And I can't even buy toilet paper. Mm. In that moment, I said to myself, I never want to be that person. I never want to have material things that are so expensive that it could change someone else's life. And so it was a struggle for the first two years. I had nothing, absolutely nothing. Wow. Wow. There's a lot of messages there. So when you, when, when this VP of the organic food company basically rejected you, rejected your idea, um, you said your passion overtook what the feeling of emotion was, but what, what were you really feeling when you came back? I mean, were you pissed off? Were you rejected? Did you feel like you wanted to crawl into a hole? Um, what, what, and how long did that take you to kind of, you know, we always say sometimes there's that little person on your shoulder and how, how long did it take you to kind of flick mm -hmm. that person off your shoulder? Well, it was the same emotion I felt when the doctor gave me three months to live in mm. the yeah. doctor's office and said, you know, forget you, you can say what you want, but I don't believe any of that. And that's the same thing I had with this guy was, you know, I, I was discouraged. I did take his thoughts as being realistic and logical, but you know, passion overseeds everything. And that's what keeps an entrepreneur alive when times are tough. And I think within two days I'd made the decision because it was just something, you know, you just know inside of you. Just well, you had like, that fighter mentality. Um, you've already been through one of the biggest fights in your entire life. And so it, it, it trains you to handle this rejection or handle this, um, uh, feeling of not being good enough or not being, worthy enough to be able to succeed in it. You, you, this fight with cancer, you, you, you kicked its butt and then this was nothing compared to that. Right. Exactly. And, and so, um, so congratulations to you on that. That's awesome. That's, you know, fabulous. That's always inspirational and everybody listening out there right now, I know has the same goose bumps on their back as I do just hearing, some of that where you just didn't have enough 
money to even buy toilet paper. Of course, you couldn't buy toilet paper right now because of the coronavirus. But, uh, you know, the feeling of the comparison between a Louis Vuitton bag and toilet paper, what an association, what a, what a, what a comparison and the symbolism that comes with all that, not just the fact of this Louis Vuitton bag, but toilet paper, which is symbolic of something that you need to, as survival, uh, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, to live. I mean, you don't have to have a bit of me would not be fresh. Um, so <laughs> the, the circle back moment with this VP was he called you a couple years later. What do you say? Yeah, we stayed in touch, um, throughout, you know, my journey. And, um, he just said, you know, Chris, I'm really proud of, what you've done. I didn't think it was possible and, and you did it. He actually tried to hire me a couple times and I turned down the job, but um, I told him I, you know, entrepreneurs are not good employees and that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I won't show up to work on time, I promise. So, you know, uh, but, but yes, that, that was a blessing to hear him say that. All right. So we fast forward again and a star grew rapidly uh, you know, your passion took off your, your, your passion overcame your fear. Uh, you, you, you took one step forward, then you took another step forward and you just kept plowing through each and every day. You didn't know what the end of the rainbow looked like, but you could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you, you went back to that same store owner in Shelbyville, Tennessee and launched this concept in, in six of his concept stores and then quickly grew this to 13 states and over 200 stores. Congratulations on all that. And started really fast tracking through, the, uh, through your new business and, and all the doors that are opening from that. Uh, you began working with Michelle Obama on, on um, some of the uh, initiatives that she has in, in, in the health industry, um, actors, politicians, you started to kind of hobnob around with lots of different people, lots of different influences and, and feeling this sense of accomplishment, um, feeling the sense of status, feeling this sense, this sense of success, uh, obviously feeling the sense of having some money in your pocket. Um, what happened? What changed? Yeah. Um, as you said, I mean, I was, I was at the the peak of my professional career at that time and, you know, had some really incredible connections. Uh, we had just changed over my signs on my, all the racks and all the stores across the U S with my picture on it because the guy, a friend of mine who helped Oprah kind of make her Mm persona come to fruition 20 years ago. Uh, he said, you know, you got to think forward and attach your story to this company, put your face and, you know, and that's around the same time I had released my first book. And, uh, I was definitely at the peak of, of that and really feeling like I really had it together. And one day I got a phone call from one of my distributors that was he said, you know, what do you want us to do with these display racks? We're taking them out of stores. Um, and I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I had no clue anything was happening. We're, we're real successful here, you know. And those first six stores I, I had my in the beginning, they were removing the racks from. And I felt. Oh, wow. Apart. From, the, from the, 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 the original person that believed in you. Not him. He had left the company, but he was no longer there at this point, but um, the woman who replaced him, but it was my distribution partner, the the company delivering the Mm. products to stores had decided that they, the program was so successful that they wanted to make more money with it. So they created their own, went to the retailers and offered them a better deal financially uh, without me knowing anything. And they took my racks, put their sign on it. I never got my racks back. Um, and 
I lost about 80% of my company within about a month or two. It just, the decline just started happening. And, you know, the feeling of not having any control and losing a dream that you have spent six, seven years of your life building, you realize that the American dream is an illusion. The fight for fame and success is nothing but a chasing after wind. And I had quickly realized, you know, on a, you know, as we talked about on a vacation in France, that my life was really upside down and out of balance. And uh, so what, what did that, what was that? I mean, obviously this is this sense of, of betrayal uh, where you, you put a trust in a relationship. You, uh, you know, so whether this is a business relationship or a personal relationship, a love relationship, there's this sense of betrayal that came from that immediately. I mean, it's gotta be overwhelming uh, to be blindsided um, by hearing this from someone else other than the source that created it. Mm -hmm. So what's that? What, what, what was that like? There's a lot of motion wrapped in that, um, <laughs> that I'm still processing some of it, but you know, for me, it was hard to understand that business is just business for people. For me, it, I built strong relationships with these people and just, you know, in the matter of flipping a switch, they make this change and I mean nothing to them and they didn't care to talk to me anymore. And it, I realized in that moment what business really is and that, you know, sometimes you do have to take your emotions out of it. And that was, you know, really difficult for me because, you know, I had this passion and this dream and vision and to see it all unfold and unravel. But also I questioned God because I felt like God put me to this. He saved my life. He put a dream inside of me and I went after it and then it fell apart. You know, it, why would it fall apart? You know, mm. if he wanted me to do that. And so, you know, that was a lot of emotion and questions at once. Wow. Yeah. And, and so how did, uh, how did you overcome it? how did you have that fortitude to again, pull up your bootstraps get your, your fighting gloves on and how did you fight it? Well, honestly, um, or how are for, you still fighting it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For about a year and a year and a half. Um, I stopped working. I maintained what business I had left and up until, you know, over the last couple months, I actually decided to get back up again and fight. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to continue because I, you have this fear that lives inside of you. It's almost like when you're cheated on in a relationship that it could happen again. And it's the same feeling of, you know, can I trust anybody in business and maybe I'd better be better off doing something on my own without having to work with other human beings. But, you know, it was a colleague of mine in the industry that said, Krista, you're going to have this in business. You just got to get up and fight and keep fighting. And it was that comment recently that, lit me back up again. I looked at the business and right now I think in this situation with the coronavirus, people are reevaluating their life. They're reevaluating their career, their relationships, and they're pivoting, they're shifting, they're making change. And I am doing the same with my company now. Um, I launched S-Star in France in January of this year. Congratulations. For, yeah, thank you. Um, never imagined an international business, but it, I'm innovating and I've created a new way of doing business to avoid these failures. So, yeah. so you launched in, you launched, uh, France, you launched, uh, Estar in France. Is that with a, is that with new relationships? Is that with a new understanding? Is that with new protections for yourself in place that you may have overlooked or trusted too much in the United States? Yeah, it's controlling the whole process. Mm, I no longer have a process set up that I'm relying on other people for my processes of my business, unless it's administrative or something like that. Um, personally, I've set myself up for a more balanced life. 
you know, that was number one of the reason of moving to France was a, it's a different culture here. You know, it, it allowed me to have a place of balance where, you know, healthy living is the focal point and the people in France, they, they work to live, not live to work like Americans do. And that's where I was caught in that trap. And so, you know, I had to put my personal life first and what brings me the most joy personally. And then my company came second. And, and, uh, so how, how, how's, how's life been like in France? How, how has your journey been there? And, and do you ever, do you ever envision coming back to the United States? Um, or is this, is this the new life for you? Uh, you know, this was not a decision that was made lightly. It took me a year to let go because in the U S because it felt like if I went to France, I was leaving a dream behind. I was leaving a business behind, mm. but truthfully with internet and the technology we have, you can build business from anywhere. And I came here really as kind of a recovery every three months. I, came for three months to stay is just kind of, you know, healing myself through this process. But I made the change to come here. Um, and I plan to stay, you know, that's my, my goal. I think Europe has a great opportunity to grow their organic sectors, uh, the industry. So do you feel like your, your brand, your, your message, do you feel like it's more received? in France uh, as the, the startup or launch of it compared to when it was in the United States or when you started up in the United States? Uh, in Europe, they're a little more behind than the U.S. as far as the organic food industry is concerned. Um, snacking is not a huge part of the French culture or snacking is not really a big thing sold in stores yet, but it's, there's a real big opportunity, you know, I see with it and, you know, that's why I've chosen to go for it here. And uh, so what's the next five years look like for you? <laughs> that's, that's, a good a, question. That's, the, that's the question I always hate to answer. I will be honest with you. I hate that question because if, if everyone knew what was going on in my mind uh, today and what I envision for the next five years is kind of having this entrepreneurial mindset, um, there's not enough time to, to talk about it. But uh, what are some of the, you know, some just basic milestones that you, you would like to see happen, not only with your company, but your health? Uh, and we're happy to to report that you're in good health, right? And, and, and feel great and you're exercising and that's all awesome. But what do you, what do you, what do you think is on your radar for the next five years there? I'm in the process of writing another book, uh, detailing this entrepreneurial journey and, mm. and those moments that changed my life, uh, to help other people make the shift towards their dreams to take that leap of faith, very similar to what you're doing with your work. Um, also working on a, you know, a video series online, similar to the TV show that um, I was working on in the US uh, launching. So just trying to build outlets for people to live a better balanced life, a healthier life, but to live ultimately their dream life. We only get one. We only get one chance and this is no practice life. Well, Krista, uh, your testimony, your, your story, um, I know is going to get lots of review or lots of views on our podcast. I'm anxious to release this, to get it out to the world. And, uh, cause I know, I know everything that you've shared today is going to be, um, inspiration to someone else in some form or fashion. There are so many things that we could go even deeper into when we might have another show uh, with you later on to get an update on your, your journey there in France. Um, but everything that you've shared today has just been awesome. It's been sincere. It's been genuine. It's been open. And we appreciate that. We appreciate you being on the show. 
We, we wish you the absolute best success. And we know, uh, I know that you're an absolute fighter. Everyone that's listening today knows you're a fighter. Uh, you will do awesome. You're going to do many, many, many bigger high vision things because you have, uh, you have it within you a desire. And as you said, passion to help others, it will definitely come out. It will continue to come out in, in, and in your life path. And, uh, there's nothing more than I want to do is to, to, to give you a, a big old hug and a handshake and say, um, good job. Keep the, keep on doing what you're doing. And, um, I know we're going to cross paths again for sure. Yes. Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate the opportunity and what you're doing to help people. Yes. And so if you want to be able to learn more about Krista and uh, go ahead and it looks like she looks like she, you can follow her on Instagram at Krista Anderson. Is that Krista Anderson underscore? Is that correct? Yeah. There's more Krista Andersons than just me. <laughs> uh, okay. I just want to make sure I was reading that. Yeah. Right. Krista Anderson <laughs> underscore. And that's Krista with a K and, or on Facebook at uh, Krista with a K seven Anderson, the number seven Anderson. And as always, uh, please like, and share, uh, go big or go home uh, podcast. And also go to our uh, Facebook at go big Nashville. We appreciate you listening to us today. Uh, we appreciate you uh, sticking in there and, and, and hearing all of the, the, the golden nuggets that we hopefully, hopefully shared with you. We'll see you next time on Go Big or Go Home. I'm James Harper. Have a great day. Primary Residential Mortgage, Inc., NMLS 3094. James Harper, Division Manager, Primary Residential Mortgage, Hendersonville, Tennessee, NMLS 71317. 131 Saundersville Road, Suite 140, Hendersonville, Tennessee 37075. Primary Residential Mortgage, Inc. is an equal housing lender. Some products and services may not be available in all states. Credit and collateral are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. Programs, rates, terms, and conditions are subject to change and are subject to borrowers worst qualification.